We're going to do uh, the Bible reading in a reflective reading style, so we're going to hear it twice. But um, this style enables us to say, uh, before we come to God's Word, before we come to hear afresh from God, it's about taking a deep breath and saying, who am I today? Because we can rush out the house, can't we? We can have lots of things going on, we can cope with lots of things, but actually... You and I, we come to God's word as the people we are today. So who am I today? So the first time I read this reading, it might be helpful to close your eyes, and I want to ask the question, what was happening? What was the weather like? There were lots of people. What did it sound like? What did it smell like? Was it hot? Was it sunny? Were there crowds? What was the noise like? Who was around? Was there pushing and shoving? What was the scenery like as it was going on? The sights, the smells, the sounds, what you're hearing. What was the ground like? What were we walking on? Was it just sand? Let's hear the first reading. While he was saying this, a synagogue leader came out and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her, and she will live. Jesus got up, went with him, and so did the disciples. Just then, a woman, who had been subject to bleeding for twelve years, came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, If I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. When Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house and saw the noisy crowd and the people playing pipes, he said, go away. The girl is not dead, but asleep but they laughed at him. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took the girl by the hand and she got up. News of this spread through all the region. I'm going to hear the passage again, but I want to ask you a different question now. We talked about the sights, the noises, the sounds, the smells. But I want to say, where are you in this passage? Where are you? As they're walking along, there would have been the scoffers, the people that were laughing. There would have been, maybe over here, a group of religious leaders conspiring, looking down their noses. Maybe there was the people leaning out of their windows up there to see what all the fuss was about. There was the synagogue ruler, There was Jesus' disciples that had been following him, following him, seeing all these miracles. And I guess there was a whole crowd of people that had just heard of Jesus' reputation and they wanted to see if something spectacular was going to happen. Maybe there were some people just sitting by the roadside, oblivious to everything and wondering what on earth is going on. In your mind's eye, where are you in this passage? 
while he was saying this, a synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him, and so did his disciples. Just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, If only I touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. When Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house and saw the noisy crowd and the people playing pipes, he said, go away. The girl is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in, took the girl by the hand, and she got up. News of this spread throughout all that region. Amen. thing about scripture is we come to scripture you and I not as blank pages as people as living people with experiences we bring something with us today and the great thing uh, I think one of the amazing things about the Bible is we see ourselves in it God reveals us and reveals himself as well so we're looking at two people today that made uh, a stretch of faith a reach both physical, maybe spiritual, maybe mental, but a reach of faith. They reached out for Jesus. Question I want to ask you this morning, because remember, it's, we're bringing ourselves, we're bringing who we are to this story, we're bringing our experience, what made us who we are to this moment. The question I want to ask is, what brought you to Jesus? What was that moment or series of moments that brought you to Jesus? Did it involve pain, difficulty, joy? Was it sadness? Was it being at the end of your tether? Just think for a moment, what brought you to Jesus? What was going on? in your life. Today we look at a story of two people coming to Jesus. One of parental grief coming to Jesus. And another story of personal shame and suffering that brought the lady to Jesus. So this is a, a, an eventful journey where when the disciples set off with Jesus, you know, from, from whatever they were doing at that moment, the, you know, the synagogue ruler comes in and they must have been thinking, hang on, thinking what the Jews thought of Jesus, what's going to happen now, what's he going to do, what's he going to ask, what, what, what's going to go down. And this eventful journey started. A journey of miracles 
Our journey is a journey of miracles. And what miracles have come across in our lives that we've recognized, or maybe that we haven't. There was a, a gentleman by the name of Sid, and Sid's wife bought a line of expensive cosmetics guaranteed to make her look years younger. It was the miracle cure. After a lengthy sitting in front of the mirror, applying the miracle products, she asked, darling, honestly, now we know, gentlemen, that doesn't mean be honest. We understand that, doesn't it? You know, it doesn't mean be honest. Darling, honestly, what age would you say I am? Looking over very carefully, Sid replied, Judging from your skin, I'd say 20. Judging from your hair, 18. And your figure, I'd say about 25. Oh, you flatterer, she says. He says, whoa, 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 I haven't added them up yet. (laughs) But what miracles lie in our journey? And I think what was common to these two people, two very different people, you couldn't have thought of two very different people. One uh, who was the synagogue ruler, who would have been the keeper of the law. He would have settled the settler of disputes, the man to whom people would come to, the man at the synagogue, bringing it all together, the man who lived that spiritual journey, the man who who was in charge of the, you know, the spiritual health of his people. And then the woman, who was shut out from all of that. The woman who was ostracized. You couldn't think of two very different people along this eventful journey, could you? And yet, there was something in common. They both reached a place, the place of desperation. It brings them both to their knees. And I think this is a common place. Sometimes it takes us something to get to that place of being on our knees before Jesus. That place of desperation. And I think we've all reached it. Maybe some of us feel that we're in it at the moment. That place where, where life, everything that's coming our way, all the things that we feel that we're carrying bring us to that place where we're on our knees. And you know what? That's the place where Jesus works when we're on our knees. So let's have a look at these two characters, two very different characters. Firstly, the woman. Unclean, unheard, untouched, destitute. If we look at other, other versions of this passage, it says that she spent all her money on quacks, really, trying to get this sorted out. So I guess that's saying to us that this, this, woman, this woman had nothing left. She'd tried everything else. It looks like the passage is telling us she tried everything she could. And Jesus was just, well, I've tried everything else. Why not try this? But can you imagine living a life where you're ceremonially unclean. No one would address you 
maybe not look at you. Your voice would be unheard. No one would have a conversation with you. There would be no touch. Can you imagine life without that? Imagine if that was withdrawn from each of our lives and she was destitute. And this was a woman, obviously, at her last ebb. What have I got to lose? Let's try this Jesus guy. You know, I've tried all the other quacks. You know, my, why don't I try this, maybe? So a woman with nothing to lose. And then a man with everything to lose. A man of reputation. A man of standing. The synagogue ruler. By coming to Jesus, what has he risked? Yet he was willing to risk it all to come to Jesus because death had crept into his family. This loving father had probably exhausted all other efforts, much like the woman, and was now in need of what he recognized only God could do. So they're the two people on this eventful journey. So they've, they've left the synagogue uh, and the disciples must have been thinking, what's going on? It's, the, it's this re- the religious role is here. You know, and he's asking Jesus to come to his house to heal. You know, if that's not eventful enough, they must have been buzzing and talking along the way. And then, you know, then comes the event with this woman. You know, they've got focus. They know where they're going. They think they're going to see something amazing. What's Jesus going to do? How's this interaction going to go? And remember, the disciples have seen many different interactions with synagogue rulers, and they've not been positive. And then there was a service interruption. They're on their way to the house. Do you remember these? Have a seat. I don't. My, my grandfather told me about them. But they're on their way, and it's just like, come on, let's see what's going to happen. And this event comes out of the blue. A woman reaching to touch Jesus' cloak. In other passages, you know, he acknowledges that he sensed that power went from him. He stopped and said, who touched me? And they must have thought, what a silly thing to say. You know, look at the crowd, look at everyone around you, and you're saying, who touched you? All the hustling and bustling, the things that are going on. But this service interruption, from the disciples' perspective, you know, they must have been saying, come on, don't forget her, let's just keep going you know, we're, we're on a mission, we're off to somewhere, this isn't the first time we see Jesus have a service interruption, do you remember when he was on the way um, to, to his friend, his, his good friend Lazarus on the way, knowing he was very poorly, and somebody else who actually died, along the way he had a service interruption what you could say was a distraction I think that's an important challenge to all of us, that when Jesus was along the way, he didn't see that as an interruption. He saw it as an opportunity. He saw this as part of God's plan. He saw somebody else that had come to him, somebody else that came in need of mercy and love and healing. And he didn't see that as an interruption. I wonder how we feel sometimes when we're very focused and we think, so-and-so is ringing, I'm not going to pick that phone up, I'll be there all day. 
Or you're saying someone's knocking at the door, you think, oh, that's the last thing I needed. I need to do this, 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 and this. That may well be valid, but actually, from, from an eternal perspective, it's worth the challenge of saying, what is an interruption? And what is God giving you something to do along the way? Because we're a journeying people, aren't we? We're all journeying together. Uh, and remember when we, we talked uh, a few weeks ago about God's plans. I have a plan for you. That, it was a very handsome, suave preacher, if you remember that day. Uh, amazing guy. Uh, but uh, he, we talked about, you know, sometimes God's not so hung up on the destination as we are. God's, God's saying it's about the journey. It's about the kind of person you are on the way. And sometimes we can be so hung up on destination. You know, where am I going? What's happening? And God's saying, actually, what kind of person are you going to be along the journey? What are you going to be along the way? And so let's come back to the woman who was healed, restored, acknowledged, encouraged and just a little thing in there that you might could easily just read over he called her daughter he didn't say woman like sometimes he would say Jesus called her daughter didn't he what would that do for you imagine you being in that same place you're having all of those things restored to you that, that healing and restoration you were acknowledged as a person you were encouraged because of your faith. And more than that, you were called daughter. Isn't that amazing? That God does the same for us, doesn't he? I mean, we could look at the woman and say, oh my goodness, look what that woman was and where she's come from. Actually, that's where we've all, we've all come from, actually, probably a far worse place. We've all crawled from the gutter of sin and rebellion that was our lives. But as we reached out, God grabbed us, didn't he? And he called you daughter, son. Isn't that amazing? That's what God does for us. And what would that restoration have meant for this woman? The woman expended the effort to break through the crowd and to touch Jesus. Was her theology correct? Probably not. Was she acting out of superstition? I guess so. You know, tried everything else, tried all the other quacks. Why not try this Jesus? But you notice Jesus didn't say, hang on, you've got it all messed up. Since your theology is so messed up, since your picture of me is so messed up, since you haven't understood any of this, you can forget the healing. He didn't say that, did he? He's a saviour who hears the cries of his children. He didn't say, you're just acting out of superstition, therefore, you know, why should, I, why should I reward you? Why should I do this? He didn't have a lecture for her or anything like that. He brought healing and restoration into her life. God honours the person who is in desperation seeking to touch him seeking to have a touch from him the person on their knees and reaching out 
Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. But the Bible also says if we have faith the size of mustard seed, we're going to move mountains. God's saying with that much faith, you know, maybe the woman's faith was a mustard seed faith, but God saw it. She saw her desperation. He saw her desperation. He saw her reaching out. It's not like faith comes in one ounce, 12 ounce, 16 ounce, 32 ounce, you know, and that's just coincidental that they're steak sizes as well, right? Isn't it? <laughs> and, you know, that's, there are the, God will reward those people that have, with the big ones and, and the little ones and all that stuff in between. God says, actually, a mustard seed faith will move mountains. Come to me with what you've got. He wants to say to each of us this morning, it doesn't matter if you've got your theology correct your understanding that you might not know the Bible very very much, you may not have been a Christian very long, you may not think that you've got the words, you may not think that your prayers flow like everybody else's. God says, you know, come to me. You've got the faith the size of a mustard seed. You reach out to me and I will bless you. I will bless you. I will heal you. I will restore you. So it's not about those who just have the giant faith. It's where your faith is put into action that matters. Faith can be like your, your, a friend that you have. If he sits on the sofa all day and never goes out, faith gets flabby. It's when faith gets put into action that it matters. A faith that isn't put into action, is it any faith at all? So that's why God's saying a mustard seed faith put into action can move mountains. What have you got? What are you bringing today? What size faith are you bringing today? Jesus says, give it to me. Come here, give it to me. Reach out in your desperation and we'll do miracles. We'll do some amazing things. Perhaps you've said, I would love for Jesus to touch me, but I just don't feel his touch then I want to say to you, be like this woman. If you're not feeling his touch upon you, reach out and touch him. Have you made the effort to press through the crowd of unbelief, busyness, entertainment, activities? The crowd that stands between you and the Lord, press through and say, I just want to touch the hem of his garment. If I can touch him, I'll be healed. Take that mustard seed faith. Take what you've got and push through whatever that crowd is. Remember the picture, the story we came to at the beginning. What is the crowd between you and Jesus? And Jesus says, reach out to me, push on through, put that faith into action. And then we'll finish with the synagogue leader. He didn't come to Jesus until his daughter was dead. It was too late for anyone else to help, but Jesus simply went to the girl and raised her. 
in our lives, Christ can make a difference when it seems too late for anyone else to help. He can bring healing to broken relationships. He can bring release from addictive habits and forgiveness and healing of emotional scars. Does your situation look hopeless? Do you think you've gone beyond that moment of redemption? How are you feeling today? If your situation looks hopeless, remember, this is the Jesus that can do the impossible. And the final thing that I want to say is what interested me was that he cleared the room. The people in the room were playing the pipes of of death and mourning. Uh, They were acknowledging that this was a place of death. And Jesus was saying, no, this is a place of life. She isn't dead, but is asleep. And he wants to proclaim that to us, that this isn't a place of death. This is a place of life. And Jesus brings life. But notice the cynical were outside. The crowd were put outside. The cynical did not get to see God at work. How true is that? The cynical do not get to see God at work. In a moment, we're going to play just a piece of music for us to listen to and reflect on. Just to, you know, we've opened up our, our stories at the beginning. Where are we? Where do we see ourselves in the story? We've spoken about Jesus reaching out at point of desperation. We've heard Jesus challenge us that says, bring me faith the size of a mustard seed and we will move mountains. Jesus says to you this morning, reach out for me. Reach through whatever that crowd is. Show the faith of the woman. And so we close this section by saying, what is God saying to me through all this? What's God challenging me about?